Hello and welcome to Econoday Unplugged on Tuesday the 25th of June 2019. That's just 143 years to the day that Custer took his last stand. Probably not standing, but equally poised for action. We have Mark Pender across the pond stateside and I'm Jeremy Hawkins here in London. Now, there's some interesting cross currents at play in the FX markets at the moment. Earlier today, the euro hit a three-month high against the dollar, and the greenback also slid below the key 107 level versus the yen, and that's for the first time since January. So, mounting pressure, or sorry, I should say mounting speculation about Fed easing is clearly taking its toll on the greenback, but it's not just about interest rates, as the euro itself has fallen against the Swiss franc to levels not seen since 2017. Geopolitical instability, particularly the escalating tensions in the Persian Gulf, have boosted the attraction of safe haven currencies, amongst which the Swiss franc, despite a minus 0.5% 10-year bond yield, is a major player. So, Mark, um, Mm -hmm. I see we've had some soft data your side today. I -hmm. guess the question amongst all of this is, will the Fed indeed cut next month? And and if so, how much do you think it's going to be? I I think, well, uh, Jerome Powell will be speaking uh, in an interview shortly after this is a midday Tuesday. Um, so we may get some more input on that. As it stands now, uh, I would say that a 25 basis point move uh, lower, incremental move lower, is what it would be uh, expected. And the Fed, I think, uh, is kind of led around by expectations to a certain degree. There's a uh, you know, feedback between expectations and what the Fed does, but the uh, general expectations have a, a, a lot of play there. And today we had uh, significantly weak uh, data, surprisingly weak data, both new home sales and consumer confidence um, came in below uh, well below the consensus uh, range. Uh, new home sales are, I guess, the uh, well, they're both surprises. Let's first start off with new home sales. Um, the the averages here, which you have to look at in this series because it's very, very volatile, um, it are edging lower. However, they've moved very much higher over the year, almost about 100,000 rate uh, higher. We were at a 626,000 uh, sales rate, annual sales rate for new homes in May, and that's 91,000 higher than when it was in December. But uh, it is uh, has uh, uh, been coming down, and there was a, a price collapse in this report. 8.1% monthly decline uh, for the average new home here in the U.S. is $308,000. Uh, on the year now, uh, year on year, that's down 2.7%. Um, and we also had Case-Shiller data today, and those are for existing homes. And they also showed uh, weakness. Not all the indications on home prices are down. FHFA was up today, but um, many of them are. And, and when you see this one in the new home sales, it, 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 along with the weakness in the sales, these that, those price numbers are a little bit worrisome. Even though mortgage rates are going down, um, uh, it may not be helping uh, housing as much as it otherwise could. And the X factor here is the labor market. The consumer uh, confidence report was also out today, and it came in um, at uh, 121.5, which was really very – as 10 points – uh, more than 10 points below the consensus, uh, really reversing a lot of the, the prior uh, improvement here. Um, and it's a very odd report. It also shows a, um, a spike up in inflation expectations, which had been going down. And um, also, uh, stock market 
uh, bears now outnumber the bulls. That's despite the fact that this has been a very good month for the stock market. Um, the report itself uh, blames um, uh, tariffs and uh, and tariff uh, and trade tensions. However, this report is really geared to the job market, uh, tracking consumers' uh, assessment of the job market and whether or not. Um, these issues are actually uh, dampening the, the employment labor market would be a, a bit of a surprise at this early stage of these uh, issues. It is possible. Um, uh, but uh, it, it seems like a little bit odd. It was still a, a kind of an alarming report. When you get these kinds of uh, unexpected declines with wild readings inside them, it makes you wonder, certainly based on this report, forecasts for the June employment report following the very soft May report are going to be going down. Excuse me. <coughs> Let me pass it back to you. Jeremy. Okay, let me uh, talk, just phone from this. Can we try perhaps perhaps at least some signs of you know, weak, weakness domestically, U.S. side now? Um, and in the past, I guess it's always been the case whereby because the U.S. is a relative, relatively isolated economy, in the sense that you know, net exports are not a particularly big share of, of GDP, you know, developments globally may not have the same impact on U.S. markets as they might, for example, on the Eurozone. But obviously, we got this G20 summit coming up in Osaka when Donald Trump is expected to, to hold trade talks with his Chinese counterpart. Do you think, given the current state of the world and the fact that the FOMC seems to be talking more about world trade, if they don't come out with any kind of deal to stop these additional tariffs that the US are threatening, that you know it's going to put increased, or at least perceived to be putting increased pressure on the Fed to come out and cut again in July? Interesting point. Uh, deterioration in trade, as much as it affects business investment, this is the, how the uh, Fed has defined this um, uh, equation in last week's meeting. As much as global trade would hurt business investment and in turn hurt U.S. manufacturing, that would be a central issue for them. So they've raised this uh, uh, issue uh, in, in prominence. Um, they wouldn't be reacting to anything um, specific in the news. Uh, uh, that's just how the central banks work, uh, the Fed works, but it would be a, an indirect a direct uh, 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 issue. Uh, whether or not they would take preparatory uh, in advance um, uh, cut, such as, let's say, a 50-point move uh, downward in anticipation that global trade would deteriorate, that's not really, I don't think, their style. I was going to ask you about it. Like, I noticed, <coughs> uh, James Bullard, the uh, St. Louis Fed president, was mm -hmm. talking about a 50 basis point insurance cut immediately. Mm -hmm. I mean, is he very much an outlier on that sort of thing? Well, he is. He was the one dissent in, um, in uh, Jerome Powell's tenure. And this happened, of course, last week. Um, so, uh, but uh, I think the Fed will key themselves on early indications, but I think they're going to need tangible indications, whether it's like the beige book from their own contacts uh, in the uh, economy in which they would publish this information, or we had a breakdown in the Empire State Manufacturing uh, report uh, last week for um, the New York uh, area manufacturing sector, and it really was a breakdown, multi-year, uh, uh, out of the blue kind of a, a thing. We're seeing that in these other regional ones, uh, reports, even though this isn't hard data, that would be enough for them to hang their hat on a rate cut. Uh, but I think they're going to go steady. I, I, you know, uh, volatile moves right now would 
raise would be suspect a little bit because they've been pretty volatile already. They just cut the, or they, they were just raising rates back uh, in December and right. they, and then they moved to neutral in January. And then we were in a good place for uh, several months and now we're deteriorating. So if for a bank to move this close to action is already um, a little bit out of, of the conventional uh, monetary policy, which I think l- likes to uh, move um, and, you know, like a steamship that, that you know, well in advance and no surprises. So um, I don't think it would be in, the, in their interest in their, for their credibility um, to strengthen their, or to, their credibility uh, if they took a, a move that might be considered extreme or maybe panicky or something like that. Fair enough. All right, then we're talking sort of central bank steamships. I suppose by and large, central banks don't tend to move any more slowly than the ECB, but certainly uh, the same kind of pressure, if not more so, is increasingly apparent uh, on the eurozone at the moment in terms of where interest rates might be headed. Uh, since we last spoke, the main data we've had out from the eurozone were the flash PMIs for June. Uh, they actually edged up to a seven-month high, which sounds good, but when the actual composite output index, so GDP proxy, which is 52 one that's hardly robust and if we look at the second quarter on average then taken at face value this survey suggests that quarterly eurozone gdp would only be about coming at 0.2 percent quarterly rate and if we were to see that that would be the worst performance since the economy last contracted um, at the start of 2013 yeah yeah. i have a question um you know i was talking about consumer confidence france had the business climate indicator here um tell us how that went it doesn't look it looks like they missed the consent census it did. I mean, of recent times, the French cons- French uh, manufacturing sentiment has been improving a little bit, certainly like uh, a lot of Europe. We saw some strength during the middle of last year. Then we saw some uh, indices coming off during the second half of 2018 and then a, a bit of a, a bit of a promising start at the beginning of 2019. But since then, we started to see um, you know, in some gentle indications of weakness. And the actual index itself was, uh, was what, 102 um, in June compared to expectations for an unchanged reading of 104. I mean, what does that mean? Well, I mean, the starting point to put it in context is that the long run average is 100. So it still suggests that sentiment across manufacturing industry is a little bit above the norm. Nonetheless, these figures are well down from what we were seeing towards, you know, particularly the summer of last year. And so it's just consistent with this general idea that manufacturing, not just in France, but across the Eurozone as a whole at the moment, you know, continues to struggle. And what and, uh, happened with the with the CBI distributive trades report out of the UK? That looks that number looks scary, minus forty two. It is. I mean, certainly looking at these soft surveys, as you mentioned, we're starting to get some you know, increasingly ominous readings out of some of this stuff now. So for the CBI, then what they do is they ask um, retailers how their volume sales compare at the moment with a year ago. The simple, you know, are they stronger or weaker by what percent? Um, and it came out, as you said, at minus 42%. So in other, in other words, 40, 40, net 42% of retailers are currently seeing volume sales below where they stood 
a year ago. Um, and that's a horrible number. Essentially, it's uh, what the worst we've seen in a decade or so. Now, mm. it should be said that it's not that well correlated with the official numbers. But since the previous month's figures, which came in at minus 27 percent, were also miles on the wrong side of market expectations. Mm-hmm. And indeed, not just market expectations, but the CBI comes out with its own forecast each month as well. Mm-hmm. And it's even, it's even more shy of those. So, I mean, taken at face value, this really does suggest that UK retailing is struggling at the moment. Well, you were talking about pre-Brexit uh, stockpiling in the UK economy yep. earlier in the year ahead of uh, deadlines for Brexit. Um, did the consumer also stockpile? Did you guys, you know, your pantries, did they have extra canned goods Not and really, stuff like I must that? Say- there were some interesting bits and pieces in the newspapers and some of the you know the media the media things suggesting that oh look so and so is you know basically buying a bunker and, and filling it for fray bentos tins or something like that. But no, on the whole, I think the general, yeah, the, the general situation for the UK consumer is one sort of sit back and see what goes on. If you look at levels of consumer confidence in the UK, they're not high by any means, but they're pretty well stable for a long time now. And I think that really is just a reflection of when it comes to Brexit. We still don't blooming well know what's going to happen. Well, um, how about high ticket items like cars and appliances? Were, were people buying those? Well, um, high ticket items in terms of appliances haven't been doing so badly, but the auto industry in the UK, uh, much akin, it's got to be said, with continental Europe, has been going through you know, a really poor time. There's been changes on emission rules, particularly with regards to you know, to diesel cars. There's a this cautious wait to see, should we start buying electric cars? Because there's, there's, there's tax discounts there and various breaks which various governments are putting through. So the auto industry at the moment is really going through a very problematic period, which they're hoping they'll get through and your things will start to improve towards the latter half of this year but um, car makers in general and particularly car makers who export a lot so this is one of the key reasons behind the you know the problems facing german manufacturing at the moment you know they really are struggling um, okay, well, I should mention, just quickly going back to the ECB in terms of big numbers, uh, the one main one to watch this week will get the infl- flash inflation report. Um, that'll be for June out on Friday. This should be free of Easter distortions, which have uh, messed up the monthly profile of late. Expectations are there for no change in either the headline rate at 1.2% or, more importantly, the main core rate, which is just 0.8%. So, in other words, well below what the, uh, the ECB is, is aiming for, and again, just more pressure to come out and do something with policy. Just before Friday on the Thursday, we'll get the German provisional CPI and people will be watching that as a kind of leading indicator of what might happen on um, on Friday itself. And one other point, one other indicator I would point out this week is going to be the economic sentiment index. That's also out on Thursday from the Eurozone. Um, the ECB in its last um, message, its last meeting, started talking about worries concerning a de-anchoring of inflation expectations. And that's something which really concerns it. And when you hear, hear it to start talking about that, it's almost certainly a sign that policy is going to be changed. Its principal measure of what con- consumers or households think about inflation, so consumer inflation expectations, comes out in part of this economic sentiment report so it's well worthwhile keeping on that because if it happens to be particularly low then that's very much going to you know fuel speculation that even though the ecb doesn't want to take rates below zero it simply might have to and speaking of unusually low uh, uh, the u.s gets core pce prices on friday mm-hmm. and the economy consensus is uh, only a 0.1 percent 
monthly gain, which would be down from 0.2, an already weak uh, gain in, in May's report. And then for June, the year-on-year -year is another tenth down, going in the wrong direction to 1.5%. So that would also put, uh, uh, put more weight on a rate cut for July. Yeah, true. I mean, it really is the case, isn't it? Wherever you look at the moment, try and find some inflation. And, and I guess that's just reflected in these, you know, the record lows we're seeing on, you know, benchmark bond yields across a whole range of markets. Mm -hmm. And I suppose we should quickly mention that we did have the Bank of Japan meeting last Thursday. Now, there's no change in policy there, but they also intimated that, yeah, becoming increasingly concerned about hitting their 2% inflation target. And then even as we speak, we've seen um, JGB yields at record lows of almost minus 0.2%. And bear in mind, of course, that as far as the BOJ is concerned, yeah, they want a target the 10-year the benchmark at zero percent within this sort of unofficial range of minus 0.2 to, to plus 0.2 percent so we're already at the bottom end of that range and it's going to raise a question as whether or not the boj is going to have to do something on the easing front as well uh, lastly, and just quickly mention on the central banks, we'll get the uh, RBNZ, the Kiwi Central Bank, on Wednesday. No change expected there in their cash rate. That was reduced to a record low of 1.5% just last month. Uh, but quite likely, we're going to see increasing you know, wording in the text, which suggests that another cut may not be too far away. I think markets are starting to focus on perhaps August as a possible time for the next move. Okay, um, Mark. Anything else we should be no. talking about? Uh, well, no, I, no, I got to run. I got to uh, watch Powell. Oh, so. quite right. <laughs> Nothing more interesting than that. Certainly not watching the cricket at the moment, which I won't raise since England aren't doing too well. Right, good or well, not good, really. That's it for today. Then, on behalf of Mark and myself, thanks very much for tuning in as always, and we'll be back again next week. Bye for now. Econoday has provided value for the investment industry for over 25 years, amassing a comprehensive, machine-readable database of global market events. Our exceptional data set consists of consensus, actual reported and revised numbers of economic events. Algorithmic trading firms, global banks, asset managers, hedge funds and AI technology firms are leveraging Econoday's unique historical data set to fuel their propriety trading models and support their research and compliance teams. Go to www.econoday.com and follow at Econoday on Twitter to learn more.